profile. All right, welcome to another episode on the podcast on affordable housing and real estate investing. Today, I got my friend uh, Dylan Cowell on today, who is an expert in short-term rentals, but he also works a full-time job and he came from an affordable housing background. He's got an amazing story to share with you guys. So Dylan, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Dude, I, we're going to have some fun today, all right? Hey, why yeah, don't we yeah. get started with you just telling the listeners a little bit about yourself and just your story and your background? Uh, so a little bit my, about myself. Like Ken said, I'm a workaholic. Um, I have a full-time job. Um, I do real estate on the side. And then, um, you know, I try to mix in with some work hard with some play hard. I try to go surfing a lot. Um, I used to rock climb. Wow. Uh, try to keep a balance, but it does, uh, it does get pretty busy sometimes. Um, let's talk about how I kind of got started in the Airbnb space. Mm -hmm. uh, in college, I lived with, um, you know, a bunch of my friends. We rented a house and um, there, was a, there was a period of time where I had like quit my part-time job. Uh, I was like a part-time student I mean full-time student part-time worker uh -huh. and you know the job I had I just really hated I was like a it's called a community service officer I would like escort mm -hmm. um, students home to their um oh back to their home after like going to a party and the late nights was just really tough and so I decided to quit that um I had to find like different ways to make money and you know I tried like making food selling it to students um I tried a little bit of tutoring it did not work out for me um and then the last thing I tried was running out my room on Airbnb mm. and to my surprise it worked out really well um and this is this is a shared room in a house that's just as like disgusting as a frat house you know like <laughs> and that made money <laughs> whenever I had guests I would just like go sleep on the couch um wow that's impressive yeah. man it was a really small it was Airbnb was a smaller community then um and so the guests you had were a lot more um lenient on the conditions mm -hmm. uh, but I think you know my reviews at the time I had like a I was averaging like maybe three and a half, three and a half stars. Um, yeah, the bathroom was nasty. I learned I learned to clean bathrooms because uh, because of that. Um, but my room was always you know crisp clean. I learned provide like amenities, towels, clean towels, um, and that that went on for like maybe a month or two, um, and then. I graduated and I knew it was something I wanted to continue doing um, in the future. But, you know, once you get that nine to five, it's, it's a new job. It takes a lot to like learn and get used to all these new things. Um, so I didn't really have a lot of time to yep. commit to it. Yep. Um, so you sound like you're the ultimate side hustler. You've done everything. I've never heard of a community service job that we're walking people back from parties at night. That is, <laughs> I learned something new every day. But you, you got a full-time job and then you were already doing Airbnb. So you dabbled a little bit into it. So what yeah. made you take the next leap? 
into what I think, like you're doing some rental arbitrage right now, right? What, what college you take the next leap? I would say there's a combination of things that happened at that time in my life. Um, one, I always had that like urge to mm -hmm. do something entrepreneurial. Yep. I participated in like uh, startup events. I helped organize startup events. Um, I was really into tech. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that whole entrepreneurial space was exciting for me. Yep. So that's one. Second one was at the time I didn't, I wasn't in a very good uh, nine to five work environment. Okay. And so all the, I basically hated that job. Got it. That was like another push to, to, to try something new. Um, and then the, I think the last thing that happened at the time was um, my grandpa had passed away and that had, that was a real like um, eye-opening moment for me um, where I realized, you know, time really is like short. Like my, my grandpa is like not around anymore. Mm -hmm. Can't do all these things that, mm -hmm. um, you know, I wanted to do with him, um, you know, during now. And so that was kind of like a push for me to, to, to also be like, okay, well, who knows what's going to happen to me the next like right year maybe tomorrow who knows i i have this thing i want to try to do before i die let's mm -hmm. let's let's go do it and so those three things kind of pushed me to to take the lead dude that's i and i think so many people can almost relate with you dylan where they get excited. They love talking about businesses, right? I don't know how many times you have gone to the bar with someone and they're like, hey, let's start a business about this, right? People do that all the time. Um, I, I've talked about that so much with my friends that one of my exes at the time got so annoyed about it. She was like, are you actually going to do this or are you just going to talk about it all the time? But Oh my God, that's so funny. And then like, you also hated your job, which I'm sure tons and tons of people in the world can relate to that. They're, they're in a job that they are at the mercy of their boss and, you know, maybe they didn't get promoted, but they're super bitter. And you actually went out and did something about it. You didn't just talk about it. You did it. So tell me about like, it, it, first it took me, I'll <laughs> say it took me three years though. That's right? realistic. It's, That's yeah. Realistic. It's different for everyone. You know, like, um, <laughs> there's a lot of like, uh, I guess, um, advice out there to like, you know, just quit your job and like, um just go for it right but it's so scary there's like so many things that you have to factor in um and it yeah. also depends like where you are in your life like if you have a lot of responsibilities that's even scarier right mm -hmm. um how are you going to take care of your family how are you yep. going to take care of you know yourself if you live in a high cost area um and even if you live in a low cost area there's there's different challenges with not having like a stable job absolutely um, so there's a, there's a whole like mental factor and risk taking that, that you got to like consider before you like commit to it. Okay. So this is so good, right? I love that you said it was three years. You're being really real with people. Tell me a little bit about like, was it one more thing that said like, okay, this is it. I'm going to get started. Or were there like two or three small steps or big steps that you took that actually got you to the point of getting started? Cause I want Listeners, you really get a different perspective. Everyone is a little different. They might take a series of steps. They might just take the leap like we just talked about. So mm -hmm. what sort of steps did you take 
to kind of get to kind of getting started in rental arbitrage? For me, I, so I had a little bit of experience in college with like, yep. um, like hospitality at its mm -hmm. most fundamental level. Yep. Um, the next step was, you know, when you start your own business, there's also a lot of like administrative stuff, <laughs> uh, legal stuff that you need to learn that actually takes a long time too. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, I knew business was something I was wanted to do. So I opened up my own um, business entity. I ended up with a C Corp. Don't ask me, uh, don't ask me why. Go talk to your lawyer or CPA um, about what's right for you. And so I, uh, I opened that up. I tried small business, small side hustles, running it through my business mm -hmm. over the years. Um, I think that gave me a lot of experience yeah. with the kind of like the annoying parts of business that you really need Love to it. do Love it. Um, that actually aren't like running the business. Um, right. It's a non-glorious part. People don't. Talk yeah. Non-glorious. There's a, yeah, no one talks about that. That's it's really annoying, right. hard, and it can get expensive. Um, or you find out you, you <laughs> did it wrong. Like you got to do your own bookkeeping. Oh my uh, God. Yes. Bookkeeping. No one talks about yeah. that. No one talks about opening up like thousands of letters and in your mail for like your business. Yep. It's crazy. Oh. Yeah. You got to figure out how to fund things. Um, mm -hmm. You learn about, you know, business loans are different. You got to keep your finances separate. Um, there's a lot of little things with running business that no one really tells you about. They just say, oh, just go, just go rent this home and put it on Airbnb. Oh, man. So I, so I a lot of little steps, a lot of little it, steps before yeah. I finally like did the plunge. So let's keep it let's keep it progressing. So you did a lot of these things. You did these non-glorious things to kind of get started. You got some experience in hospitality. How did you first reach out to like your first landlord or find your first deal for rent to arbitrage? Uh, so I started with um, Zillow, Trulia, all the rental sites. I would, I started by reaching out to landlords um, on online first. Got it. And I would say your success rate with that, especially during the time I started, it was like one in a hundred, you know, like yep. you, it's so, it was such a novel idea that people were, who were very skeptical and scared of it. Right. Yeah. Um, you say subleasing and people are already like, no, no way. Right. <laughs> um, so one in a hundred, uh, I would get a positive response. I actually, lost my what would have been like the best deal best possible rental arbitrage deal ever um because you know i was new in business and yep. uh wasn't very skilled wasn't very knowledgeable wasn't very personable didn't understand sometimes you gotta pay a premium for things understand um this scenario was when uh so there's a there's a town in san diego called ocean beach got it Yep. And at the time I had a, I had an opportunity to rent a two bedroom, two bedroom, one bath, a couple blocks from the beach for $3,000. It's expensive at the time. Hmm. Right. But if I had to, this and they were already an existing Airbnb. Interesting. The previous owner just got tired of doing it. They were cleaning the place themselves. They had parties. Um, they were kind of like, done with running the show and so they just wanted to rent it out to regular tenants 
And luckily I had run into them or found their listing. I talked to them. They were very interested. And um, what I had done was I had not realized that yes, 3000 is a lot, but compared to what it could have made like mm -hmm. that year, it was a steal, right? And so I had negotiated lower and that totally just turned, <laughs> turned the them off. Yeah, they're like, that's ridiculous. We're giving you a great deal here for what, what you're trying to do. Like you can make the, the entire year's rent back in just, <laughs> you know, two months in the summer. Oh my God. Um, yeah. But I can still relate to that, man. I mean, I, my first deal, I almost killed the deal because of a 5k credit that we weren't going to get from the seller. And if, if we did that, we would be just hitting ourselves over the head right now because we made like 300 grand in like eight months from forcing the value. Right. So I completely yeah. resonate with that. And for so many people that are trying to get started, right. What, you, what we all do in the beginning is like, we get so scared of the expenses that we're taking on instead of realizing it's an investment in what yep. we're Right. So I think that's like the biggest mindset shift when you first get started. Is like you look at all these numbers because no money's coming in, money's only going out. Yeah. So you there's, just get super freaked out. <laughs> yeah, there's something I want to add on to that. There's yeah. I think that comes from a place of um when you're when you're new, sometimes you're undercapitalized coming mm -hmm. into the business, right? And you don't realize all the actual expenses that you're on the hook for and are needed to make money. And so you get scared of making these purchasing these things that ultimately will mm -hmm. you know help you profit you skimp out on things you're not gonna have a great product you might end up you might end up uh was it not profitable because of that and that's scary and i think for people that are trying to enter the short-term rental space now you really have to be careful about not just putting another cookie cutter airbnb because there's so much supply flooding the market right now and yeah, that's your ability. You can differentiate your listing right now. That's probably the best sort of hedge you have against a recession that's coming away. Because guess what? The people that are still going to be traveling during a recession, they're going to be the people that would, they're going to have money and they're going to want to stay in nicer places than the more dingy. Yeah. Places. And the dingy places are the ones going to be empty. Yeah, uh, cookie cutter places are <laughs> are going to struggle. Um, it's it's not that easy anymore making money on Airbnb. You can't just put out a place with some rooms and. Yeah, and do well. You have to. There, there's there's competition, and so you have to differentiate yourself and provide like excellent service. I love it. I mean, so let's talk about your portfolio right now. How many properties do you have right now um, that you're managing and your that you're rental arbitraging? Right now, I have three rental arbitrage in San Diego. It's um, they're all three bedroom, wow. two bath. Um, yeah, one of them is actually a four bedroom, but that smaller bedroom so small that I had to uh, just turn it into a supply closet, basically. Got and, it. And, and this is the thing with rental arbitrage. You're never going to get prime real estate, right? <laughs> you, you're at the bottom, like you're at the mercy of very risky investors mm -hmm. or risky real estate owners who are willing to rent to you. Got and it. so, you know, your supply really diminishes um but you know that changes as you grow and you have a reputation um but when you start out your property is you know it might not be in the best neighborhood it might not be it mm -hmm. might not have the best like feng shui 
Mm-hmm. And so you really need to get creative and come in really strong with uh, design and differentiation. All right. I love that. So you have three properties right now on rental arbitrage. Just tell us, like, how did you find those deals and how did you negotiate? Because you just said sometimes these these real estate owners or landlords are more risky, right? But you got to give yourself some credit. You you landed the deal. So how'd you find it and how'd you negotiate it? Yeah, so these these three actually came from the same landlord. And wow. these are right. these three are not my first ones. These, okay, got it. I had another one before this, um, but I relocated. I didn't have the infrastructure to run it remote yet. So I closed down my original one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't planning on restarting rental arbitrage as soon as I did it was probably like three months after I closed my last one this opportunity came up Um, and the way it came up was um, it was actually a family friend um, who's a real estate mogul who reached out to me Um, and he had been he had been following along with my progress ever since I started got it uh, with my like you know years ago Uh, I get I think he was watching to see how it work out mm-hmm. um but i think this raises like the importance of like promoting yourself when you start mm-hmm. um you know it's scary putting yourself out there because you know what if you fail but <laughs> when you do that you, opportunities will also may also come to you right you put you put yourself out there as like the guy doing airbnb and then all of a sudden years later like I said to you earlier, I have like five or six friends a week coming to me, asking me about Airbnb stuff. Because <laughs> you're the expert now, right? You're the one that's putting yourself out on social media. You're telling people that you're doing it. And because you're doing it, that's probably better than 80, 90% of the world because you're taking action. So yeah, put yourself like- out there. You have the, what you know, even if you don't have that much experience yet, you have some knowledge, um, build your brand. And mm-hmm. then that's, that's how the opportunities for these three Airbnbs came to me. Got it. So you didn't even have to call Zillow or, or you didn't have to look. No, I didn't. Isn't that amazing though? Like I think for our listeners listening to this, that's the importance of getting started because you never know where the road might lead. And because you get started, you already demonstrate you have courage. You de- already demonstrated that you have the ability to problem solve, which is probably like the biggest thing, biggest skill set you need for this. Um, which kind of leads you to my next question. Like, what do you think was the biggest skill set that allowed you to become successful in this? Ooh. I think it takes a lot of skills to be successful in <laughs> this business. Um, I will say, well, I'll, I'll start with ones that were very valuable to me. Mm-hmm. Um, one, the ability to, I guess, uh, embrace disaster and... <laughs> And accept that, yeah, and accept that, you know, if, if things don't go well, life goes on, you'll be okay. And mm-hmm. the, the reason why I say this is because um, I started my, I officially like pulled the plunge, left my nine to five job, mm-hmm. um, started, you know, poured all my money into this Airbnb business, like three or four months right before COVID. Yeah. yeah. So le- left my job, didn't have any stable income, put like half of my savings into starting my first Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Um, the other half was like, you know, for running expenses. Got it. And then for three months, zero bookings, right? Everything got dropped. 
And so I burned through the rest of my savings and, you know, I'm, I'm on the hook for this lease. I don't have a job to, to cover this. Yeah. Um, and going through my mind at the time, you know, the immediate thought was like, oh, this is the worst decision I've ever made. Like, mm-hmm. we don't know how long COVID was yeah. going to go on for. We didn't know travel was going to rebound. Right. We didn't know people were going to switch from hotels to homes. Yep. All that was so scary. Absolutely. And, um, there was a lot of nights where I had just like lay down, try to try to do some meditation, calm myself down, and tell myself, you know, things are going to be okay. Um, Dylan, that is that's crazy. And I think yeah. no one ever shares those stories because, like you and I talk about, you, you hear about these other big real estate podcasts out there, and they just talk about how glorious it is. They don't talk about the sleepless nights that yeah. we have. They don't talk about how much credit card, how much credit card debt we yeah, put on. Exactly. Like how much did you have on your credit card? I had like $70,000 when we launched our first one. Yeah, what? I think <laughs> I probably had like 20 or 30 grand for each one that I'd launched. They're like spread out at different yeah. times. Um, but that's incredible that's, that you found a way to make it work. And you, yeah. you found like some credit cards for like, was a zero percent interest or something like that? Yeah, zero percent interest, intro APR. Then you know, I I advise against this. Do not ever do this. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'd find another one, do a credit balance uh, balance transfer, pay the three percent, extend zero APR. Um, it's it works, but you're it's a very short loan duration, and so. You, that's a lot of pressure on you to succeed, right? Like within one year, you can be paying 20, 25% interest uh, wow. if you don't if you don't pay it off. And so it's it's a very risky option and it's a lot of pressure on an, yeah. a new entrepreneur, like having to succeed, right? And Dylan, this is so incredible because this is such an incredible story because you were basically backed into a corner. And you really didn't have any choice but to, but to succeed. You already signed a lease. You already bought the furniture. You had to make it work. And I think so many successful people in real estate today, they have gone through a period of hardship where like you've heard about the recession in 2008 and Great Depression. And like some of the most successful people, they lost a lot of money during that time. And I think yeah. for someone like you, being under so much pressure, like you can't teach grit. At the end of that, you can't teach it. Either you have it or you don't, and you got to go through the fire. You got to feel the heat and feel the pressure. And then, like, and I'm I'm so confident that you must be so good about yourself right now, right? It's like, wow, I went through that and I came out unscathed, even though I went through. I got some cuts and bruises, but yeah, you came through from it. That's so inspirational, man. Oh my god, that's crazy. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely given me a new perspective on like business and getting through hard times yeah um and but it must I think, give you so much confidence too right because now you're like hey i can i can keep doing this you know yeah i'm, I'm actually very risk averse um <laughs> nowadays yeah uh because i never want to put myself through you know oh i, I want to make the hard times way more bearable i don't want to go through that again <laughs> um but yeah i think going through that really teaches you like you can handle a lot of things. Um, and that, you know, even if, even if things go wrong, like you'll be okay. Right. I, I love that. I love that. <laughs> it's kind of like 
when I left my job and um, my wife was being so supportive of it, I was just like, you know, what if we run out of money and we can't put food on the table? And I'm just like, well, if I do a really good job about, at my corporate job, like they're probably going to take me back. So the worst case scenario isn't really the worst case scenario. I'm not going to starve. I can always kind of go back to the job, right? And they'll probably take you back. And I think that's what probably makes you so reputable amongst your friends. You're probably a really, really great person. People come to you for advice and you help them out. But then you're also a strong performer so that you obviously know that, hey, worst case scenario, I can always just go back to, to a corporate job, to a nine to five job and just kind of make that money. Like, did that thought ever run through your head? <laughs> That's actually exactly what happened. Like, exactly, <laughs> so right? COVID, yeah, COVID hit. Um, COVID hit. Airbnb business wasn't doing too well during that first period. Yep. Um, and I was in that period of like, oh my God, like what do I do? Everything's going wrong. Right. Um, sometimes you got to feel that let it all out before you can like start problem solving. Right. Yes. Um, just don't get too, don't get stuck in it too long. Um, <laughs> I went back, I went back um, to my previous company and um, luckily for me, I developed great relationships when I was there. I had a, you know, um, I had a good, good work ethic. Um, yep. And there was also a hiring freeze over at the company at the time. Wow. But okay. I had built a good enough reputation that people were willing to um, make exceptions and bring me back on board. I, w I didn't come back as a full-time employee, but they were able to get me like a contract role. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, six months after COVID started, I was able to go back and um, back to a nine to five and still do my Airbnb stuff on the yeah. side which I'm very grateful for. Like it's I, saved jealous. everything. Yeah. I'm jealous of your position. Cause now you're building, you're back in your nine to five. And I'm not saying like a nine to five job is bad. It's actually really, really beneficial for you right now. We're in a recession. You're building a cash pile. And the fed has come out and said, Hey, we want a housing correction. So you're putting yourself in the best position to pick up these properties when they're correcting and really set yourself up for generational wealth going forward. Right. I think you're, you're putting yourself in a really good position. You know, after, after, you know, having experience in both like the mm -hmm. being an entrepreneur, also having a nine to five, like, dude, don't, don't hate on the nine to five. Like it's, it's not bad. <laughs> there's a lot of benefits to it. It's not bad. Um, there's actually a podcast that my girlfriend was telling me about. It's called like nine to five hotties. And I was telling about like the, <laughs> the life, how good of a life you can have if you get the right, like nine to five. Mm -hmm. Um, and luckily for me, when I came back to um, my previous job at, a, at Adobe, um, I joined a different team and I'm, I found like, I found that I actually don't hate my nine to five job. Like it was just the team that I was on before. And the right. team that I'm on now is it's amazing. It's like, works well with my personality, my wow. values, my culture, uh, my lifestyle. I'm doing way harder work than I was before but at the same time like it doesn't feel as like terrible you know and i love um, it it's really all about who you're with at the end of the day it's like who you're yeah. working with who you're spending time with and that has such a big impact on yeah. your on your mindset oh my god dude i'm so happy for you and it's such a good story because everyone talks about leaving the nine to five only and, and it's just like you know just 
walking away and saying like, hey, I got all this money now, I'm not coming back. But you have shown that you can make it work and you're actually leveraging that your position to the best of your ability to maximize how much wealth you can build in, 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 yeah. in the interim. And that's amazing. I love it. I absolutely love it. Dude, I'm there, so happy. There, yeah, there's, there's, it, it, it's awesome. Um, there are trade-offs, you know, it, having a nine to five and a side hustle is time consuming. Um, it can be, it can be very stressful if you're also trying to have like a balanced life. Like, mm-hmm. like I said, I'm trying to go out surfing. Um, and so a lot of my work day is actually kind of like condensed mm-hmm. into doing like two jobs at once. Yep. Um, and that's really hard for a lot of people. And I, it's really hard for me, to be honest. Um, I struggle with it. Um, but I do find it's hard for me to turn down opportunities. I'll be honest about that. And so that's why I'm doing both at the same time right now. The nine to five job is really great. The Airbnb thing is also doing really great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I keep adding on to both. Um, but there is, a, you know, it's great, but there is a drawback to that. Um, and that's something you'll need to manage. It'll be different for everyone. But that's so important. I think for any future investors of yours listening to this, they're going to be like, Dylan has consistently worked hard throughout his entire life. You have done a full-time job. You always had a side hustle. You have been consistent. You weren't just some guy that just said, one day I'm going to wake up and I'm, like, I'm going to do this, right? You have consistently done this over your entire life. And I think that is so important for your reputation. It's like, even if the world goes to crap again, you still have your reputation. You still have your brand. And people are going to know like, hey, Dylan was, has been doing this for multiple years. He didn't just wake up one day and start doing it. And I think, oh man, I just know your life is going to be even more amazing. You're going to 10 exit in like five, 10 years. And dude, we're all going to be looking up to you, man. Um, but, you know, before we get there, I want to dig into a little bit about like your history. Like you and I, we talked a little bit about affordable housing. And, you know, one of our goals and with my investors is we've been friends since eighth grade. We all came from low-income housing. And one of our biggest prerogatives is using our cash flow from a short-term rentals to fund the long-term rentals for affordable housing specifically. So we know for us personally, what kind of opportunity it has being like raised in a stable home, low crime, good schools has done for us. So I want to kind of just dive into that and like, just get your story and like how, how's affordable housing helped you and your family? Yeah, I, you know, I, I never really thought about like how much affordable housing had an impact on me until I talked to you Um, (laughs) and like the benefits of being in a stable home and all of that. Um, When my family first immigrated here, Mm -hmm. it was my mom um, and her, uh, her dad, her mom and 10 or 11 of her brothers and sisters. And when they came over, um, uh, we're from Vietnam. Mm-hmm. when we came over we shared a two-bedroom home with a unpermitted additional mm-hmm. den um oh, yeah with another family so you have a family of like 10 or 11 wow. living with a whole another family in a like three-bedroom home uh they basically shared their whole family shared the room for a while um and you know when you come over you don't have you don't, you know, English is not your first mm-hmm. language. Um, opportunities are limited. And sometimes that 
you know, leads people down, mm-hmm. um, down, down the wrong path. Absolutely. Right? And so uh, we, you know, my family eventually saved up enough money, moved out into a different home that they rented. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was still growing up around like, um, you know, my, my, my uncles got involved in mm-hmm. um, uh, gang related activity stole cars, mm-hmm. sold drugs. And it's not, it wasn't an environment that my mom wanted me to be surrounded by. Right. And so, um, you know, my mom's a very resource, resourceful person. Yep. Um, uh, she went to community college. She learned English. Um, she got, she educated herself and she learned about these programs where um, you can get, um, you know, assistance from the government to, you know, live in your own home. Um, and she applied and after years of waiting for a response, uh, we got the call. And this one in San Diego is separate from uh, the Section 8 housing. It's a separate program. Um, this one, you have more leniency on like which homes you could choose. And so she was able to choose one in a safer neighborhood than we had before. Yep. And I think that was like the like fundamental beginning of like how I like grew up and she was able to teach me like, um, you know, how to like my values, how to be a proper person, um, how to be kind, how to, you know, not get involved in, um, you know, these things kept, that could have taken me down like a, a path that I would not be happy about. Dude, um, I, my eyes are a little watery because, dude, your your mom must be so proud of like the man you become, man. Like, that's why she works so hard, you know. Yeah. Like coming over from a different country and not knowing English, because just like your mom, my mom went through the same thing. She was working night shifts and she was trying to learn English. My dad never got a chance to learn English because he's working at a Chinese restaurant for twelve hours a day, right, taking care of the kids. Yeah. And it's kind of like the amount of grit you have probably comes from your mom and learning from your parents and it's just like you went through such hard stuff but it's still nothing compared to what our parents went through if you think about it yeah. it's nothing compared yeah. to what they went through it's like we have such a hard so, life but dude, they had it way worse <laughs> yeah sometimes i have to remind myself that like even even if like i end up with nothing that is still like 20 times better than what my mom had to go through uh, just to get here you know we she she grew up in um she grew up in the city in Vietnam but due to the war like they had to move around a lot they moved to rural areas lived on a on a farm not without like without any resources um and she had to be really scrappy resourceful and you know just being in America I feel like I'm already you know 10 20 times better off than you know if I had to start um when she started Dude, and that's an amazing story man I, I think the reason why I started this podcast is I, I looked when I looked at a short-term rental podcast there's like dozens and dozens of them when I looked at affordable housing podcast maybe even just one that had a recent episode and no one even talks about affordable housing anymore because it they have all these like myths that I want to debunk with this podcast it's like People are in Section 8 housing or affordable housing or 
uh, drug dealers, uh, gang members, and they're going to come in and trash your home. They're going to bring a lot of drama. But that's why I want you to bring your story to this podcast. It's like affordable housing houses so many good people in the world, and they produce great people like you for the world. It's like we need more yeah, people. Yeah, it, it gives opportunities to families that otherwise, you know, like would do great if if they just got that one chance right got that chance that's right yeah. and i and i'm so glad this resonated with you so much when we had the first conversation Delaware. it's like I, this is why i'm doing it this is why i want to meet people like you to know about your story and get you involved too it's because like you we just talked about how risky airbnbs are how risky yeah. arbitrages but what if you had a house or a affordable housing unit where the government pays the rent on time every month do you feel like if you have one of those units, like you would have more courage to go buy more, more properties? It's like the perfect diversity. Balances out, yeah, balances out the risk profile. Yeah, it helps you sleep at night, right? That's yeah. part of your meditation routine. Go yeah, buy yeah, a yeah, affordable yeah. housing unit. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Dylan, I think, I don't think anything can top the story that you just talked about, about your parents, man. Like, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for giving me the time of your day. Thank you for sharing your story with our listeners. This has been an awesome conversation and dude, I had a lot of fun with this one. So thank you so much. Yeah, I did too. I was, uh, I was a little nervous, but you're a great host and, uh, happy <laughs> to chat with you. All right. Thanks a lot, Dylan. I'll talk to you in a little bit. I appreciate your time. See ya.